Welcome to Lame Stream here on the 440 Sports Network. My name is Braden Gall, and you can follow me on the Twitter machine at Braden Gall. My name is Steve Cavendish. You can follow me on Twitter at Scavendish. If you like this show, rate it, review it, subscribe to it, smash that subscribe button, tell a bunch of people that you listen to Lame Stream Sports. There you have it. And everyone will be like, what? <laughs> like, huh? But, tell, but do it anyway. Do it anyway. So today on the show, happy... 4th of July to everybody. We will not do 4th of July content, but we are going to do listener mailbag today on the program. We've got a lot of different questions about radio, about people, about Nashville, about some media practices that go on, uh, some of our personal, <laughs> uh, I guess, favorites and or disasters in our careers. <laughs> we'll, we'll dive into some of that uh, today on the show. And then are, are like, is this like the, our version of like the Budweiser hot seat or whatever that thing was called for sports center, like 12, 15, 20 years ago, where like, I have questions for you and you have questions for me and you're not allowed out of the chamber until, until you answer the question. Is that what this is later on in the show? Sure. Sure. Let's call it that. Although no, no, no free takes. It's not, this is not brought to you by Budweiser. <laughs> hazy Screw IPA. Budweiser as a matter of fact. Hazy IPA, mildly bitter takes later on in the show. Um, that, <laughs> exactly. It finishes later than a West Coast IPA. Um, so that's what we're going to do today on the show. Lots of stuff. Again, uh, there you got a couple of interesting direct messages. <laughs> I did. I did. Well, we, we the names have been the names have been withheld to protect the innocent. <laughs> yes. Um, uh, so we're gonna have some fun on the show today. Hope everybody has a good time. Uh, we were asked to to rank the broadcast booths in the city of Nashville, for example. We'll get to that a little bit later on. I, I found that very difficult, actually, um, yeah. Steve. I, I I think we got some pretty damn good broadcast booths in this town. So yeah, I mean, well, uh, here I won't I won't spoil my take, but yeah, you're not yeah. wrong. Yeah. So I, again, that's the kind of stuff we're going to do today. Our own media habits. Um, again, some of our worst worst fears, worst interviews, worst moments. We'll laugh at ourselves, have a good time. So uh, before we do any of that, of course, Steve Lamestream Sports is a podcast about Nashville sports media and business. Hosted by Steve Cavendish of the Nashville Banner, and it is brought to you by Jasper's The Next Evolution of the Sports Bar. It is the next evolution of the sports bar. And do you have any further comments on our, our bit here on the show? No, except about just air hockey, because the rest of the just, city just is that, just that you me. keep seem to you seem to keep spreading and defaming it to other uh, to other podcasts. Yes, but of course, of course, I will. <laughs> Thanks for that. Of course, I will. Don't uh, listen to the gold standard. Wow, we would like people to do the opposite of what Steve just said. Go <laughs> check it out. Uh, as the National Predators have a big week this week, actually. Hey, Michael go, go. Gallagher, don't play along with this shit. Oh, wow. Steve's a first-day listener of the Gold Standard. I appreciate that. Uh, no, um, so Gold Standard, great podcast. Go check it out. Even though this is in the middle of an ad for Jaspers, go go check out the Gold Standard podcast. Uh, Jeremy Gover last week, Michael Gallagher this week. Obviously and drink the Gold Standard while you are at Jaspers. There hey, how's, how's that for a segue? Well done. Way to bring it all back. I'm a semi-pro broadcaster. Go, go to, you've got a podcast, Steve. You have a podcast. <laughs> go, go to, go to Jasper's. Uh, the parking is free. The food is amazing. It's the next evolution of the sports bar. And of course the game room, air hockey table, pop a shot. Uh, you got Jenga connect Four darts, shuffleboard, you know, ski ball. It's, it's very real and very spectacular and, and very free. So go check out all that great stuff. Great place for any and all events in your life. Honestly, I know that sounds weird, but like literally anything, you are doing spouse, children, friends, and family lunch, you know, lunch with business, happy hour after work. Doesn't matter. They've got a spot for you. Go check it out over at Jasper's. And what should people do if they want news about Nashville 
from a nonprofit sent right directly to their inbox. They should go to NashvilleBanner.com and give us your email. Uh, my partner, Dimitri Kawadimos, and I will give you news uh, every couple of weeks until we launch. So there you have it, NashvilleBanner.com. All right. You want to get started here with radio, Steve? Is that what you yeah, want to do? Yeah, let's on, go. Later on, we've got some questions for each other. So for now, we're going to start with the mailbag. This is from uh, Chris Chamberlain. Thank and th- thanks, thanks to everybody who sent in questions. Uh, thanks yeah. to the, uh, I left my DMs open for for reasons like this. Uh, we got a couple of good questions coming up here in a second. So yes, yeah. So we'll start with radio. Chris Chamberlain says, and yes, again, you're absolutely right. Thank you guys for all the the questions. I've always wanted to know about radio guest policies. Are some paid for regular segments, and others are just part of a reciprocal deals between different markets. Uh, are ad sales reps charged with covering the cost of paid guests like Greg Cosell, of course, uh, by seeking out local sponsorship? Do you want me to take this one, Steve? Yeah, go ahead. Jump in. So there's there's a lot of different, as, as the question that Chris has, as your question indicates, there's a lot of different ways this works. There's like, for example, I go on with Josh Ward and Jason Swain in Knoxville. I know Josh, I came up through the business working with Josh. And so I've been going on a show for a long time, but he comes on. 440 sports anytime I need him to. It used to be on the, the daily morning show. He would come on every single week. And so I do a hit with him. He does a hit with me. That is sort of the reciprocal way to do it. Um, I, there's a couple of stations around the Southeast that I get paid X amount of dollars, one in College Station, one in Kansas City, a couple that you get paid you know, during the football season to do 30 minutes. So generally you need to do two segments to get paid, which is, again, not a lot of money. We're not talking about big dollars here. Um, and then there are guests that are sponsored. Now, generally... When a guest comes on, that person is not making that money. Um, the station is sponsoring the appearance, or, or an advertiser is sponsoring the appearance on a show. So, you know, I think again, I I I don't want to speak out of turn here on the Greg Cosell, for example, but I believe he was sponsored for a while. When I used to go on Midday 180 on 1045, I my one hour of college football on Thursdays for about three years was sponsored by someone, and it's why they were then able to pay me. So th- there's a lot of different ways it can work. Yeah, typically the, the the entire sponsorship doesn't go to whoever the guest is. Uh, that defeats the purpose of being for profit radio. Uh, <laughs> but 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 you'll see like a lot of appearances, like like David Beauclair for years has gone on one hundred four five in the mornings uh, to talk to, to talk Titans to talk uh, when he was covering the Predators. He would he would go in there and, and talk Preds and and that was a you know that was a compensated sort of thing. Uh, and, and it's a way for it's a way for shows to kind of broaden their, their reach for not a lot of money. And I repeat, not a lot of money, <laughs> but, but, uh, but, but you build up, uh, you know, you build up these lineups that, that the people hopefully are regularly tuning back in for. Yes. And, 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 and which is different than if you see, and this is sort of Chris's other question. It says, and do hosts make their own deals for spots that give them cars and remotes that pay them for appearances, which is a little different on, on how, to, how the ad stuff all works. Uh, the other thing, like let's let's use like Doug Matthews for example. I don't know if he's still doing the show on 104.5, but he he and Ned Michaels actually as well. Uh, formerly, of, he's been on Lamestream Sports during the U.S. Open, a couple or uh, the PJ Championship a couple of weeks ago. Check out that episode. Um, a lot of times, what will happen is a radio station will give you the hour. You then have to go sell it. Like if they think you're a name that's good enough to do a show in that time slot or whatever. And I think Ned did a, a golf show and Doug did, did the Tennessee show. And then he would out he would go out and sell all of that, and I think the station takes a small cut of that, and then Doug would make the vast majority of that money. Uh, in the meantime, 
104.5 would then get a free, really good hour of programming or two hours of really good programming on Saturday morning, for example. Generally, it's in the evenings or on the weekends. Um, so that's another kind of weird arrangement that can happen as well if you bring your and, own sponsor. And sometimes people people can approach a station where they know that the, the, the station has essentially times of, uh, I mean, blocks of time that are for sale. And they'll go in and they'll go into some sort of like kind of like purchase arrangement where where it's because they know they're going to sell it and then keep all of the revenue on the back end. They're just paying the station up front for it. Now, this the second question about hosts making their own deals for spots like, yes, if I were to go out and sell, because I think I did this one time on 1025 where I brought in a sponsor and I got the sales commission and then also got paid for the read. Uh, that was only, that only happened one time. Every other read I did, ad spot or whatever was sold by the station, the station makes the vast majority of that money. I, I would venture a guess on average, generally, it's probably 60 to 70% of the money goes to the station. You're going to have a sales rep that makes about 10 or 15%. And then the host is going to get like, <laughs> uh, maybe 20% of that, even though we do all the work <laughs> to, to do the actual execution <laughs> of the topic. And so for example, I, I sponsored Xfinity, no free shouts. Um, not only did I get a very cheap television package and internet package at home every, so that's how they add value, right? Is they do give you things like a discount on a car or LASIK surgery or whatever you, you get some of that in, in sort of bartering mode, right? It's kind of like a barter, but then every time I would do a read for Xfinity, you get, you know, whatever the number is like 30 bucks and you do it five times a week, it starts to add up and you could add, you know. You could add five, six, seven hundred dollars, eight hundred dollars to your salary on on in a month, and oh, by the way, save yourself a couple hundred bucks on your on your cable bill. So, it, it, that one, those ones, those big ones can add up, um, but otherwise, your standard, pretty basic ad read by a real estate agent or a car dealership, you're, you're getting like, you know, thirty bucks a pop every time you do it, and that's about it. And, and that's pretty standard for for all the stations. So, Joe N asks, uh, could the game boost their signal and put? Uh, put OutKick 360 up against the zone and compete in a ratings war? And do they have the desire and money to do so? And then they, and then Joe also asks, uh, will, uh, will Paul, Chad, and Jonathan be chosen ultimately instead of Stillman over there in the afternoons? We, we've talked a lot about this. So there's a couple of things you need to know. Number, number one is where are the two set stations, the transmitters located for both the game and the zone? Um, the game, 1025 The Game's transmitter is in Cumberland Furnace. If you know where that is, Steve, do you know where that is? I do not know where that is. <laughs> it is 43 miles west and slightly north of downtown Nashville. It's a 100,000 watt transmitter. But again, when you are 43 miles from your main market, there's a reason that signal goes out in Franklin and Brentwood and Murfreesboro because it is 43 freaking miles away and it would cost millions of dollars to move that transmitter closer to town. Um, 1045's transmitter is about seven miles from downtown Nashville, north on I-24, just north of Bradley Parkway. Uh, 1045's is, is a more powerful transmitter too, isn't it? Well, I think it's only 60,000 watts, but it is, it is right. They're basically even the distance is the difference, right? The, the distance is what makes that signal tougher to get. So I don't think they can boost that without spending literally millions of dollars. So it's almost impossible to move those things. It, it involves land deals and lots of technology and it's very, very, very expensive to, but, to do that kind of stuff. But this is why when Chase was on, he said that they had gotten, uh, they had gotten bought a new signal north of town 
which is going to help them with some of those coverage areas. Yes. Uh, particularly in, in like parts of Nashville and then like points South where that, where that one Oh two five signal isn't necessarily as strong. And now, and my time during the, he, he questioned, did they have the desire or the money to do so? The money probably is no, the desire. I'll just tell you when Fitzy and I were there and Nick and Derek and I were there, we were constantly saying, how do we fix our signal problems? That, that is a constant thing that we were always talking about. Yeah. Uh, and, and so like the second part of that question is, you know, are the Outkick 360 guys going to gonna eventually replace Stillman? I don't think that's, I mean, Chase was no, on here. The answer is no. <laughs> and Chase was on here. And, and I don't think that's their strategy. The strategy is, is they think that they can get, you know, they have both of those audiences right now. Um, you know, they have, a, they're, they're, Stillman has a Stillman and company has has an audience. Outkick 360 has an audience, uh, and, and they may be occupying similar time, but they have both of them right now. So why would you why would you replace uh, Stillman necessarily with 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 Outkick 360? Also, fundamentally, they're different shows. This, I mean, and is, Outkick is yes. Outkick is trying to be a much broader show, I think, than than Stillman is. Stillman is going to is going yeah. to hammer. Let, you know, Nashville topics every well, single day in a way that the Outkick 360 guys are not. They're still going to have a lot of that because they're based here in Nashville. They want to talk about Nashville topics, and, and you know they have deep ties into like things like covering the Titans. But but they're not going to they're not going to spend two hours on the Preds in the middle of the playoffs. There you, there, that is that is the 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 only thing that matters here is that you cannot have an afternoon show, an afternoon drive time in the Nashville Predators radio market on the Nashville Predators radio affiliate and not talk about the Nashville Predators, period, full stop. That will not work. It will never happen. It's never going to be a thing. And your first point is accurate too. You've got both of them now. They're not really going to compete for each other. If you're, if you're a fan of Stillman and company, you're probably going to switch to Outkick 360 or vice versa. The one, as we've said on the show before, the play here for the game is to use both of those properties to attack 3HL. That is their goal here. And uh, if you look at the ratings book, uh, I imagine that it will work very slowly, but surely. But there is no chance that Outkick 360 is the afternoon show other than maybe a stopgap. But even then, I would imagine you cannot have a afternoon drive time show on the Preds affiliate without talking about the Predators. So no, not at um, all. Full, full, full stop there at the end of that one. Not um, at all. All right. Okay. So next? Ne so next question, uh, we, get, we, got, we have some people topics here. Uh, this next one came to me uh, via DM, <laughs> and uh, um, we're not okay. a family show, here, but I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna go. rephrase this a little bit here. The question was no 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 read read it verbatim please uh, read it verbatim okay yes how do I reconcile Paul Kaharski simultaneously being an unbelievable massive prick and yet <laughs> being the most consistent and reliable beat person for the titans it is a source of constant frustration i'm just going to say here that the the <laughs> the views of uh the views of uh, my own personal views do not necessarily include the words unbelievable massive prick when describing koharski um i would say paul Ob is ob obnoxious asshole <laughs> i would say paul paul is an acquired taste yes uh, yes but, Here, let, let, let me let me start this because I don't this is I think this is much bigger than a question about Paul. Actually, I, I think this is a question about why we are unable to separate the artist from the art. And I am not calling PK an artist here. I am just saying 
I do not understand. Like my accountant, I could disagree with my accountant on every single major political issue in my life. But as long as he gets my taxes done in the best possible way, I don't give a shit. <laughs> and I don't understand why someone's behavior or personal stance on something or maybe their interactions and way they treat people in this case, whatever. Like, I don't know why it matters to people when it comes to their opinions or thoughts or reporting on the football team that I love. I do not know why we have to combine. Like, why is everyone such a freaking snowflake that they cannot just say, you know what? Paul does a great job with this that I care a lot about. I don't need to like him. I don't need to be friends with him. I don't need to hang out with him to appreciate the work that he does. I, I don't. I don't know why we don't do that in every single walk of life. We do it all the time in every other, like, you know what I mean? Like the, the, the guy building your, your, your house, do you care what he believes about the green new deal or the Titans defense? Or do you care about how he builds houses? I, I, I don't understand this part of, of modern media. I get, I, I get uh, a stick from certain people for being a Kuharski apologist. And so here's my, here's my Kuharski uh, apologetics right now. I mean, Paul, Paul was the beat writer on the Titans and it, uh, before becoming sort of the columnist on the Titans uh, and has built a site around Titans knowledge. Uh, he is as unbelievably, I mean, he's, he's better connected than, than anybody else, I think on the beat. Uh, and, you know, even if he is not necessarily the person who's going to break every piece of beat coverage anymore because that's not necessarily what he does but paul building his own site around that uh i think has been incredibly successful uh yeah. for him and i i think that i, I don't know I, why think, why do you have to like the guy to appreciate his work i don't understand i that. I, I, I don't paul's obnoxious uh, Paul has opinions. You just, you uh, just have to, you just, he's just Paul. You just take it for what it is and you move. I, I just, uh, you know, I, I don't, I, I get that. I get that certain people don't, you know, don't like that or whatever else, but uh, you know, Paul is, Paul is, is, is <laughs> Paul was in my mentions in the middle of an NSC game uh, <laughs> over the weekend uh, because I managed to, you know, Full disclosure here: Jinx Nashville SC's goalie Thank for, you the, for, that, for a second way. stream for a second second straight game. He has a shitty performance in the second half, and uh, Paul Paul was lighting me up, and and that's fine. Uh, you know, uh, I'm 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 perfectly I'm perfectly happy with that. And but, and by by his own admission, he has switched to more opinion flame throwing than actual than like hardcore reporting. That that's his own. He said that on this show. I don't know when he came on last over a year ago. And, yeah, and that but, is the way the media is heading. But again, I don't like I Jack White could be a what is it? What, what's the word here? Jack White could be an unbelievably massive prick. I'm still going to listen to the raconteurs. Like, I don't I, I don't understand how we why we have to have everything so perfectly aligned in our lives that we can't have like a little like we can't compartmentalize. Like, what are we doing here? I don't I don't know. That's yeah, my, I mean, and, that's and, my frustration. And, and people who, you know, people who we don't necessarily are not necessarily going to hang out with, but at the same time, provide great content, you know, pay yeah. for their content, support and, those people. And, and his, and I'll say this, one of Paul's sort of driving forces on how he covers the team is that like, I don't, he's, and he's, he's kind of said this like a, a thousand different ways, but it's like, I, do, do you want me to do my job and report on the team? Or do you want me to be a fan? Because if you want me to be a fan, go somewhere else. Like that's right. not his job. That's not our job. That's not the media's job to be a fan of the team. 
Um, this is despite his most recent comments, and, and, um, which and, he has walked back, by the way, pretty profusely. So, well, and 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 I think that there's a question of of how strong is the Nashville press corps on certain uh, on certain beats, and we're not going to litigate that right here. No, uh, Paul Paul has Paul has said that. Uh, Paul has said that he wishes it were stronger on certain beats, particularly the Titans beat. Uh, and one of the things I like about Paul is he is unafraid to ask a tough question if it needs to be asked, even if it's not the most diplomatic thing, even if it's uh, even if it's not a very fan friendly thing to do. Uh, and you want people like that. You, you want him on that wall. Yes, I, I, I totally agree. And I agree with him in general that all the press corps in this town could be stronger could be tougher, could be more, I don't want to say antagonistic because that's, and again, let's be honest, Paul loves to lean into that role that that's, he's naturally, that, that is how he is naturally wired to be. And, and I think like Adam Vingen is not naturally wired at all to be like that, but he like pushes through his natural sort of um, limitations to, to, to play that role for the Preds. I think there needs to be more of that on both beats. Frankly, I think there needs to be more of that on the soccer beat. Like I could, I think every media core in this town could be could be quote unquote tougher uh, if we wanted to do that and, and say that. So again, we're not going to litigate that here because I think there's lots of rights and wrongs in there and it's very complicated. So, all right. Uh, would Mike Keith, this is from Joe, would Mike Keith go replace Bob Kessling now that it's not replacing John Ward? If not, who are the names you would like to see replace Bob? I, I don't think Mike Keith would do that because I don't think that you trade the NFL for, for a college spot. And, and that is, and that's even knowing kind of what that, what that job means, because, because in, in Mike Keith's mind, that is John Ward's job. Even, even though, even though Kessling has been doing it for the last, that's how the way, that's the way it is in my head. That's the way it is in any, in anybody who is, you know, older, than uh, older than sort of Kessling's current tenure as the voice of the Vols. And so I, I, I don't know. I, I in, in my mind, you're always going to be competing with Ward. So why would you want to do that? Especially if you're the voice of an NFL franchise. So yeah, two, two or two or three things here that are real quick. Number one, NFL greater than college full stop. Um, whether, whether we like that as fans or not is irrelevant. The fact an NFL team is bigger, just period. Um, even in the state of Tennessee, where we love Tennessee football, volunteers, all that stuff. Um, I've talked to him about this, not specifically, and I'm not putting words in his mouth, but the answer is no. <laughs> the the answer is no. Here's the other thing. Who is going to be the John Ward of the Tennessee Titans in about 10 years? Or if, if, if he's not already there right now, it's Mike I, Keith. I, I, well, I, I don't think that, I, I don't think that we know who, who that's going to be because Kessling still has some run left in him. Um, whether or not you like Kessling or not, I mean, he is, he is that voice right now. Uh, and I, I don't think, I, I don't think we, I don't think we know. I mean, I mean, our, our friend John Freeman is now the voice of the Virginia Cavaliers is a good example of this, of, of somebody who is on the younger side, uh, yeah. stepping into, stepping into a role, uh, that is a, a big marquee role for university. I'll do it. I'm a, I'm, a I'm a Tennessee grad. I'll do it. I've never done play by never done never done play by play. All I've done is color for Nashville SC when they were in the USL. That's all I've ever done. But I'll, I'll do it. Strong strong resume, my friend. <laughs> strong resume. 
Um, there, there's but, plenty but, of good broadcasters. But I think, I, I think you know, I don't think there's anybody out there that we're sitting here going, oh, well, that's the next voice of the balls. I, I just don't think that, I don't think that we know. And I don't think, I don't think we're going to know who that person is before they take the job. It's yeah, not like yeah. where Kessling was sitting at, was sitting at a, at, at an Oxville TV station waiting on the job. Yeah, I agree with that. And, and, but I do think it's a, it's a unique job in that you need to find someone that is probably got some deep roots or some ties in some way at minimum to the state. Um, and so Mike checks all the, I mean, Mike, Mike would be an unbelievable, like, like that would be a coup if they could, if they were to ever be able to do that. But again, I, I think Mike Keith is the John Ward of the Tennessee Titans almost already. So right. I don't know why, I don't know why you'd give that up. I don't, I don't know why you give that up either. No. And I, again, I, I, I don't think he ever would. Uh, how would you rate this is uh Oh, this is your DM. Why don't you go ahead and read this one? So somebody else DMed, uh, how would you rate each of, of Nashville's major sports broadcasting booths? Where did you draw so, the line? Where did you draw the line on major on this? Uh, I, I only I was only thinking about this as the as sort of the top three. I wasn't including Vandy in it. I wasn't including Belmont. Yeah, uh, was not including Belmont. You know uh, that that job's changed over. It's also kind of haphazard, kind of where they appear. And how yeah. dare you talk about Steve Layman and Greg Sage that way? They do a fan, I, they look, do a fantastic job. I I, I I have something to say about Greg Sage, but anyway. Uh, All right, but. So, so, uh, so here's how I would rank them. Um, I would go Keith and the Titans one. So, so I would Keith, go Keith and Mac, Keith and coach Mac, number one. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I would go, and here's my controversial take. I would go Tony husband and Jamie <laughs> Watson too. I knew you're going to do that. And then, and then I would go, uh, I would go, uh, Willie and, uh, Chris and and the the Preds booth three, I, I just don't think that there's, but the, 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 the we're we're talking about a matter of degrees here, because I, I think that Preds booth is really good, uh, and so having them third is no no slander. It's just that I think I think we're really lucky as fans uh, that to have all of that, that to have the people that we have right now. I mean, I think Keith is just fantastic. He's a, he's a signature voice. He has personality. He has calls and things that that fans echo back to each other. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, I, I mean, so I, I would go West Bowling number one. Um, <laughs> not even close. Yeah. West West Bowling number one. No, I I really struggled because I I mean Pete Weber is a Hall of Famer and Hal Gill is one of the greatest storytellers I've ever been around. So I, I might vote Pete Weber and Hal Gill number one. But I'm with you. I had a very difficult time. I, I just don't listen to Preds on the radio that right, much. Right. I almost always come to them on TV. No, I'm I'm saying that as like an analyst of media, not necessarily like where I consume them, because I agree. I don't listen to the Preds on, on radio very often. I don't listen to any of this, this stuff really on the radio that all that often, uh, probably mostly Titans, if anybody. And the Titans don't, obviously do not have a TV team. But, I, you know, my, Mike Keith, one, Weber Gill, two, Husband Watson, three, Donick Mason, four. And I think you could throw all of those into a blender, mix them all up, and you would do just fine. I think the ultimate point through all of this is to be th- to be a, a barely top 30 market in the United States and having three professional sports teams and to be able to have this debate pretty easily w- and make the case for Tony Husband and Jamie Watson along with Pete Weber and Willie. I mean, I just think there's a really good case for all of them. I mean, um, to me, I, I, it's I between just, Keith and Mac and Weber and Gill. Those would be my top two. I, I just don't think that I, I, this is going to come off as 
you know, ranking these things is going to come off as, as, you know, Willie Donick slander. And I, I know, I know. And, and, and that sucks. I mean, Willie Donick to me, it will always be, <laughs> will always be a two guard on, on Vanderbilt's uh, Vanderbilt's basketball team. Cause that's, that, that's how I know. That's you should go watch, watch him in those games. He, he, and, will, he will always be Wiley Danuke baseball player for Vanderbilt <laughs> inter, introduced as such Wiley Danuke at Mississippi state when he was playing baseball at Vanderbilt. So he will always be Wiley Danuke for me. And, and the fact that he has, he has transformed himself from from basically a basketball guy into a top tier NHL broadcaster. Yes, is incredible. Yes, uh, very smooth. It's, it's absolutely incredible, and 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 I and I like listening to him on Preds broadcast. I just I just happen to think that like you know the it was a real coup for for the for for Nashville SC to to bring in Tony Husband here. And then to elevate Jamie Watson, who I think is, uh, you know, I, I think Jamie Watson is going to get one of these national gigs next year. And I think Tony husband can have one too, if he wants it. Yep. Uh, I mean, they're, they're that good. And we talked about that a few weeks ago. Uh, we're just, we're just really lucky to have a really great set of broadcasters here. There's no, there's nobody that I, there's nobody that I can't listen to on, on, on these airwaves. And, and again, we joke, but like Wes, Wes does a great job. Kevin Ingram does a great job. Steve Lehman does a great job. Like there's, I mean, I'm, I'm, we've even got I'm some guys that, in, in the ranks that are coming up through the ranks that I think are going to be pretty good. Max Hers, I think, does an excellent job. I mean, I'm, I'm hoping that I'm able to hear Wes on the Apple TV broadcast next that year. Would I mean, that, that would be great. That would be great. great. All right, this is from David. Who are your lamestream bucket list guests? Let's say three categories, owner, executive, retired media, and active media. Um, I had a very difficult time with the retired portion, um, but I had a really easy time with active. So you want to go first? You want me to go first? All right, so so owner exec, um, I, I I think, and this is a re, this is a recency bias thing, um, but I think that right now, uh, Amy Adams Strunk is in. She doesn't do a ton of media, uh, but she is in one of the most interesting spots given how the team has performed the last couple of years and yeah. the, they're lobbying for a new stadium. Uh, I, I think that she is a. I think she's a fascinating interview, uh, not and and not just because she's one of the few female uh, owners in the NFL. Uh, she is. Uh, she. I mean, the, the, if you look at polling, actual polling data, she's like one of the most popular people in Nashville, uh, and I, I. I just think she, I, I think she is right now uh, would be a a great great interview. And that's, so, that's, that's, that's who I would love to have. So I did this like way outside of Nashville. I kind of just did this like anybody. Yeah. And, and John Skipper is near the top of my list. Um, who used to run ESPN. He's been with a couple of other media, major media organizations, but through, because of my obsession with college football and realignment and what the future holds, he would be at the top of my list in terms of what are these television executives saying in these meetings at Fox and ESPN as it pertains to, cause those are the two ships that are, that are there. The, those are the two steering wheels that are driving college football right now is Fox and ESPN and Skipper used to be in control of one of them. And I'd like to, I would love to talk to him. Mark Cuban would be on my list. I Mark Cuban, I think would be a great interview. He would explain a lot of things. He would be honest with you. He's got his hands in a lot of different areas, not just sports. He's got his hands in a lot of other stuff. I, Mark Cuban was one of the first names that came to mind of where I think I would learn a whole lot from just having a, a, a 15 or 20 minute conversation with Mark Cuban. So that that's where I went with owner executive. And, and Cuban, Cuban too. I mean, 
he has so much interesting going on outside of his ownership. And yet his ownership uh, of the Mavs has been absolutely fascinating and kind of the way he has been in the middle of every big NBA decision here over the last, you know, over yep. the last couple of decades. Yep. Uh, retired. I, this was a hard one for me. Where'd you go? Go ahead. I want to hear I want to hear yours first. I, I like, does Brent Musburger count? <laughs> I really, I'm struggling with that one because because you can actually hear him like on this and stuff, and I think you're going to be able to hear that on, on uh, on the fan, yeah, on the fan. Um, so then I thought about like retired in a more morbid sense, um, Uh, (laughs) which is like, then it's probably like original news people, right? Like Cronkites and Dan Rather's and like those type of people, where it's like I just would love to know. When we got all of our news at one time as a country in one place, what was that like for you to put on that show every single night, radio or TV? I just think that would be fascinating because we were so consolidated as a consumer base that you knew everything you said was being heard by basically everyone. And every and, word was being parsed. Yes. And, and oh, by the way, we took it to be reality. <laughs> we trusted the media at that time to deliver us good quality nutritional thoughtful, wholesome, accurate content. And I think I, that, that was the glory days of the TV news broadcaster. So I think that's probably the direction I would go. So I was just trying to think, uh, so I went to, I went morbid too, uh, <laughs> permanently retired. Uh, I, I would, uh, and, and I was trying to keep it among sports uh, folks. Uh, I would love to have a conversation with Keith Jackson. I mean, yeah. Keith Jackson is the college football voice of my childhood uh and and i and and i you know there's there's so many like different kind of kind of little phrases that he has that have kind of leaked into every bit of you know all over sports broadcasting that you know you'll hear you could still hear them in some of the sports center guys uh you know when when they're when they're doing game uh, when they're doing uh highlight calls whoa nelly Exactly. And big, big uglies, I think, right? Wonelli, bumbling, bumbling, stumbling. Oh, yeah, yeah. And and he was just such he was so identified, but but Jackson had this career where he I mean he did everything. Yeah. He he and he and and Jim McKay uh to me are like the are like the uh, the the yeah. they are ABC sports they uh and and Keith Jackson is college football to me. And I would love I would I'd love to have that conversation. Uh, I, that, that that would have been a, that would have been a dream conversation. I can just I can just hear Keith Jackson's voice now. The UCLA Bruins coming out of the tunnel at Pasadena, California, in the Rose Bowl to host the Rutgers Scarlet Knights in a Big Ten <laughs> conference game. Right, right. Or right, uh, <laughs> Big Ten representatives, USC, <laughs> right, in the Rose Bowl. Um, We've got a yeah. Big Ten conference matchup today for you in the Rose Bowl between the Rutgers Scarlet Knights and the UCLA Bruins. <laughs> it's just like what? What? <laughs> what? <laughs> what did you just say, Keith Jackson? Um, this. So uh, there's so many. Like we can go back into the history of newsmen's newsmen back in like the old days. There'd probably be so many great people to talk to, whether it's reporter, TV broadcaster, uh, whatever. So active. Where are you going with active? I, this was the easiest decision for me. Not even close. Easiest decision. Really? Okay. Yeah. So who is it? Howard Stern. Not even close. Yeah. Not even close. I know it's cliche, but it's not even close. I thought about Bill Simmons. Uh, I think Nick Saban, if you got him to open up and, and like actually tell you stuff, you know, Al Michaels, Dan Patrick are two guys that I grew up sort of training after and learning from. 
But if you told me I could get an hour with somebody that I think is going to tell me exactly what he thinks about everything and someone who literally invented radio, sports talk radio and, and regular talk radio, in my opinion, and changed the industry forever, uh, literally, in, I think he invented podcasts by just doing the show he used to do on Sirius XM. Like, I really think that's where we got long form conversational content. And I don't know how it's not Howard Stern. Like, I, again, I know it's cliche, but I don't know how it's not him. I have a, of the sports center guys, uh, of the sports center era guys, I would love to have, uh, and and he's had this, he's had this sort of honest conversation before with a couple different people. I'd love to have the Craig Kilborn conversation. Um, uh, just because I, I find him, I find him fascinating. Uh, and also because I saw him pop up in his cameo in old school the other day. And uh, <laughs> that's right. He's so good in that movie. He was, he was uh, creepy, and, creepy old dude. <laughs> uh, the other guy who I find just uh, super intelligent and endlessly fascinating uh, is Kenny Maine, uh, who, who left ESPN about, yeah. about six months ago. Um, just, just a fascinating, uh, just a fascinating sort of guy. Um uh, very engaging. He's a good Twitter follower if you uh, if you ever want to follow him. Um, but 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 of other folks you know, that are that are kind of that are kind of current media, um, you know, on the broadcast side, uh, I, I think that th- there are some there are some voices out there. Like I, I would love to sit down and uh, talk with Joe Buck just about reactions to him <laughs> and, and like. Like people have people have visceral reactions. How much work have you really had Joe. done on your face, Joe? <laughs> <laughs> and and I would love to know what he honestly thinks about those. And and you know some of it, you know, he can't he can't do anything about. But at the same time, just kind of like how he encounters that, uh, and how and how it gets does it get to him? This uh, is just, my sister in law, who is a extremely casual sports fan. Let's put it at that, right? Has a like, Joe Buck opinion? Cannot handle watching Joe Buck. Cannot. She's like, I, she is, I think she's 30, 35, 36 years old. Um, can't, just has a vis, like you said, she has a visceral reaction to Joe Buck. A, a it's going to be on over, Monday night. Doesn't even care about football really that much. She'll watch the big games, but like she's, and I, when I say casual, I mean very casual sports fan. And even then, still has a very strong opinion on Joe Buck. To be fair, she has a very strong opinion about everything. <laughs> uh, all right. What's next I, here? So, uh, so. Oh, oh wait, got- hang on. Hang on. Sorry. Sorry. Sorry to cut you off. Um, does, where does John Stewart count? Is he retired or is he active? Uh, no, he's active. He's, I mean, he's still doing, I mean, I don't think they renewed it, but uh, he was still doing that Apple show. Cause I don't, I don't find, here's the thing. I used to find him to be hilarious. I do not find him to be funny anymore, but I think his, his work is more important and more thoughtful now. So that evolution, well, and I, that evolution, I'd love to sit down and talk with him about. He had a. You should go back and listen to uh, an interview he did on uh, Kara Swisher's Sway podcast about four or five months ago. Love uh, Kara Swisher. That, that that talked about some of these issues. Um, it was very. It, it was it was it was really really interesting and just sort of the, you know, this you have this show. Is it supposed to be funny or not? I know. And, and <laughs> I know I could never tell what I was supposed to do. <laughs> right. Right. It was so. very, it had some very serious moments. I tried it. I just, I've always been a like massive admirer of like the two people I would say that influenced me the most as broadcasters are Dan Patrick and John Stewart. And, and again, the height of like when cable TV, especially in the evenings was like still a thing. 
right? Before cord cutting happened, The Daily Show was such an, I mean, it was an institution if you cared about sort of like laughing and also getting news. And 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 it's just not the same. Uh, Trevor Noah is great and, and John is wonderful, but like, I don't like either of those shows really all that much any, anymore. So I'd love to talk with him. Maybe he won't, do, he won't talk with me after saying, after the words I've just said about his show. Um, all <laughs> right. You're making uh, a great case for it. Yeah, no kidding. Here, here's Zach. This is a Nashville category from Zach says, what would it take for Nashville to become a respected NFL market? Two million more people. And about 20 years. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't, yeah, I agree. I don't know. Uh, I, I don't know that there's an answer to that. Uh, Titans but, Twitter's having a moment right now though, where the national media is sort of picking up on the fact that yeah, you can really piss off a bunch of people that like the Titans. If you just say some things about the team. Yeah. But I mean, that, that gets into the whole sort of engagement enragement sort of cheap clicks sort of thing. I mean, you can, you can, kind of, you can kind of lean into Titans Twitter right now and get some cheap clicks. I think it means that honestly, this is, this is a weird analogy, but I think it means that the Titans organization is reached adolescence. It is, it is no longer an NFL baby, an NFL child. It is an NFL teenager. And it's because it, it, Titans Twitter is sort of, they're good. There's more people watching them with the city has grown, but I think you're right. There's another 10, 15, 20 years and about another million and a half people before it becomes like a fully formed NFL adult. If that makes some sense. of that, some of that is, size still dictates uh res- some res- some amount of respect within the NFL because it dictates where you are in the prime time slots in the in the you know Sunday afternoon at three national game of the week slots uh i mean performance does and the NFL can't ignore good teams but how many times have we seen the seen a mediocre cowboys team on in oh, those yeah. prime positions or a mediocre giants team because because those are guaranteed ratings yeah uh and and with that size comes a certain amount of respect that the nfl cannot ignore you know it's, it's nfl very, it's and, and has ignored an eight and eight titans team yeah it, it's very easy to conflate football decisions and tv decisions that, that it's as a fan, it's easy to see, oh, we're not getting a lot of primetime love or coverage or X, Y, or Z and think that that means they don't like your football team on the field. That has nothing to do with their decision making. Right. TV, TV decisions are not football decisions. They're very different. Now, I will say that the one thing that changes that is a truly transcendent quarterback that is must-see television at all times. If you have Patrick Mahomes for 10 years, and because again, I think you can win three Super Bowls with Derrick Henry and Ryan Tannehill. And I don't think it changes their decision-making calculus on the network level. I, I maybe a little bit, but if you have Patrick Mahomes running around throwing for four fifty every game and, and everybody in the entire world wants to tune in and watch that player until you have that, I, it, it, it's going to take 20 years and yeah, 2 million more people before we, how many, there. how many Cincinnati games are we going to see in the next decade? Oh, a lot. Yeah. yeah. A yep. lot. That's exactly and right. Because Joe Burrow, I mean, Joe Burrow is A, a great interview, but B, I, I think he's probably the next transcendent quarterback. And that is going to that is going to equal respect in a way that yep. other things just aren't. Yep. No question about it. Um, all right. Um, I, this, this is probably directed at me, so I'll let you read it. <laughs> what are your, uh, this is from David Fox. What are your media habits at this point? I should say, I should say this is a uh, uh, former, a former sports writer, David Fox, not former mayoral candidate, David Fox, <laughs> right, not formal, right. not, not uh, 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 
uh, <laughs> MPNF partner David Fox. Uh, and there's, but strangely enough, there's a fourth David Fox out there somewhere else. But anyway, <laughs> no, this um, is this is former. This is a friend of both Steve and I, David Fox, and we're not friends, uh, well, we're not what, friends with the other. What are your ones. media habits at this point? How do you consume sports content? How much time are you spending watching live sports replays, reading you know news, long form, keeping up with social and podcasts? How much uh, how much multitasking are you doing? So I uh, everything live is important to me. In, in particular. And then the long form is the stuff I care deeply about college football and then some Nashville stuff, but mostly it is live sports. And then I've curated my Twitter feed very, very carefully to where I have, I've literally, I have a bunch of Preds people I follow that are in one place. I have a bunch of Titans people I follow in another place. I have a bunch of college football SEC people in another place. I've curated those reporters into those locations so that I can consume content as fast as possible and then I pick and choose what I'm going to go consume. I, I, I will say one weird, uh, one weird thing about me personally. I do not listen to a lot when I am on the air, in particular when I was at 102.5, I, would, I do not want to listen to other people's products in the market before I have my own time to say what I think about a subject because I don't want to feel like I am even accidentally stealing anyone's concept, idea, thought process. So like... I, I, it's like I would intentionally not listen to specific shows, even if I respected them greatly, because I did not want that to seep into my content in any way, shape or form. And I know that's neurotic, but like it was it's what I had to do. <laughs> so I would say I would say one, I have a heavily curated Twitter feed. I don't follow anybody. This is not 100 percent true, but. This is 99% true. I don't, I don't follow people just because I know they're going to say something outrageous or I, yeah, I, I exactly. don't have any trolls in my feed. I don't, I, you know, right, left, wherever else. I just, I can't, I can't sort of stand it. Uh, and so, so I get a lot of content that way. Um, I am one, of, I am one of the people that has actually paid for the Twitter kind of premium service because Twitter has a thing called top articles um, that, is a great function. It is it, it is the function that a, an app called Nuzzle used to used to do, uh, which is it looks at all of the people in your feed on in your timeline and what they're sharing, and if a, a sufficient mass of them start sharing all the same things, then you then you yeah. then stuff bubble the content bubbles up really really quickly. So it's a good way to kind of like keep you on top of something if, if like all of a sudden. I mean, it's it's a wisdom of the masses sort of thing. Yeah, my, it kind of bubbles up. Yeah, my um, wife. My I don't, does your wife hate your ability to multitask? Because mine does. I mean, my wife would say I hate your ability to poorly do multiple things at one time. <laughs> um, does the my wife? My wife is not a fan of the second screen. Uh, in until she is sitting there screaming. Oh yeah, oh, going yeah. through her Instagram. Oh uh, feed. yeah. Uh, you know, while half watching a TV show, amazing how that works. That like I know, you, you I know. Put your put your phone down, Braden, until we're in the middle of, you know, whatever. Until we're watching Stranger Things and she's fourteen stories deep on IG, and I'm like, honey, what, what just happened in the show? And she has no yeah. no idea. Um, I am I am actually very good at multitasking. And it drives her insane. Like I can listen because again, this is I think this is a on air thing. This is a true story. I can be talking on the air and typing a sentence via text message to somebody. That that is something you only gain by being on radio. That that is not a skill you can acquire anywhere else. My level of ADD uh, 
is bad in some ways, but in it's good in other ways. And it allows me to consume a lot of things, a lot of things sometimes simultaneously. Uh, and that's very, very sort that's very, very helpful. Um, but I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm with you in the, like, I like to consume a lot of live content, a lot of, I mean, a lot of live sports is, is, my, is my preference. I have a hard time watching stuff kind of on replay, uh, even though, even though I'll record stuff. Um, I, I, I find myself listening to a lot of podcasts. Um, one of the things I've been, you know, I, I try to take like an hour every morning where I'm out walking, uh, where, where I'm, I'm, I'm typically going through like, you know, one or two podcasts every morning. Uh, a lot of it's interview stuff. It's not necessarily sports. I, I don't um, consume any, I, I consume very little sports in my quote unquote free time. Uh, very little sports. I consume, I, I consume a lot of soccer. I don't consume a lot of other sports. Um, yeah, but, I am. I am like foreign policy and internet, and me- there is some media stuff in there, which I guess would be on par with my "quote unquote" beat or whatever. But like, it's ve- like I'm way into into just world news. Just give me world news is like one of my favorite things. Reading books about narrative nonfic narrative nonfiction about things that have happened in our world. Like those are the things that I do in my in my free time. Yeah, I don't um, think it's an accident that you and I keep recommending a lot of narrative yeah, nonfiction yeah. <laughs> kind of on this on this pod because yeah. that that tends to be that tends to be what I'm reading away from when I when I pick up a book, that's you know, that's that's what I'm picking up. Hey, reality stranger than fiction is a very real, real thing. But again, like going back to the multitasking thing, like if you don't know the answer to a question that someone has asked you on live radio, you have to be able to say three to four sentences while you Google that thing to get the answer. And so you have to be able to talk while you're Googling. It's, it's, it's very good. It's, it's a very specific skill, Steve, that you can only require uh, through radio. Um, should right, media, so, should media outlets be punished for false information from Eric? I, I mean, I think, I think media outlets ultimately do get punished for false information. Um, mm, you know, do I, they? well, I mean, or do they make a whole lot more money? <laughs> Well, so and and this gets back to sort of our rants about about social media and engagement and arrangement and, and and sort of I mean I mean there's no doubt for instance that like the Daily Wire guys lean into this I mean they're like they're like their Facebook their Facebook machine is is like one of the biggest revenue engines you'll see in in kind of for profit media uh, you know given the kind of size of that staff to to the amount of money that they're making off of it. Uh, and I, I just, I, I think ultimately credible uh, people that are trying to do credible work uh, get punished if they're yep. if they're if they're putting false stuff out there. I mean, we we talked a, a few weeks ago about um, somebody reading tweets on the air uh, on an ESPN baseball broadcast, and that being false, and then and the dog pile that came back on them uh really hurt their credibility i i think over yeah. the over the long term i i would like to think in a perfect world that the market would correct itself and that we as a society would gravitate towards things that are accurate and real and nutritional i think many people do that i think on unfortunately on your phone where you have three seconds to capture somebody and piss them off and that being pissed off is what drives engagement slash enragement. Um, the, the, the incentive for false information is too great to overcome. And I would argue, and this is a, this is a very distinct left and right thing in politics. The right has, has learned this 
well before the left has. And I think it's hilarious sometimes that everyone looks at CNN and MSNBC and the New York Times as some sort of comp to Fox News and, and the alt-right media ecosystem. If the left knew what they were doing and pouring false information into the eco chamber, they would have better ratings. <laughs> if MSNBC did what Fox did, but on the left, catering to the extreme leftist people, they would have much higher ratings, much bigger engagement, much more social traffic, much more everything. And they because, wouldn't care about getting it wrong. And they wouldn't care about getting it wrong. But that is the problem that that the both sides take your time, dabble on this and that is not what drives. It's not what's interesting to people. And again, that, this is a chicken or egg conversation, right? Like, I mean, this is a, this is a bigger conversation first. here, too. But I mean, I think along along with that, I, I, I think uh, outlets get rewarded for low calorie information. Yes. Uh, much more than they do for false information. And, and that's and that's just as big a problem. And I say this as someone who is raising money for a news nonprofit that will be what we hope is higher calorie information. Yep. Yep. And again, not to be biased here, but that's the whole point of this product, this company that I built was to provide no empty calories to people. Um, that, that's the goal, at least doesn't mean we do it perfectly every time or that it's right. But like that's or that it's as commercially viable as the other stuff. As we just said, it's not. It is far more commercially viable to just spew and move on to the next take. Um, whether it's real, fake, false, not, whatever, gain attention, which is very different than recognition. Real quick, real quickly here. Talk right. about Let's talk about uh, talk about some cringe interview moments. Your worst questions, worst interviews, worst you've witnessed. Man, so one of the worst I've witnessed was um, a good buddy of mine, Chris Childers, was interviewing Chip Kelly when Chip Kelly was being rumored for the Philadelphia Eagles job, and he was still the coach at the Oregon Ducks, and this was like on a stage at the media day availability for like the Fiesta Bowl, and he, at the end of the interview, he did his job very uncomfortably and said, you know, asked him a question, could have been maybe worded a little better, but basically it was a good question about his, you know, the potential overtures and interest in the Philadelphia Eagles, and Chip Kelly just got real pissed <laughs> and it was one of the weirdest situations it was so awkward he just he like looks at him he doesn't do anything and then he he looks over at houston nut and he's like oh houston what's up man how, how you doing here man like ignored that the fact that there was a radio show happening live on the air and uh it did not he he he, he was not happy about that question that was one of the weirdest ones i've ever witnessed the weirdest one i've ever been a part of was Ole Miss won the sec championship game in the call in the uh, sec tournament uh in basketball here in nashville Marshall Henderson was on the team and I went to the locker room live on Sirius XM. And I basically, my first question was, man, there's a lot of people that have been, you know, uh, you know, I don't want to say like throwing shade. That's that, but that's the term. Like a lot of people have doubted you guys. How does it feel to quiet all those people and, and, and to, to come out of here a champion. And he just picked up his phone, didn't say a word on live radio and started texting and about eight or 10 seconds go by where I, my heart rate just goes through the roof. Because I'm like, we're, we're live here, Marshall Henderson, you weirdo. And he puts his phone down finally, looks at me and goes, oh, oh, what, what'd you say? I was texting my girlfriend <laughs> on, wow. on, live, on live radio, which I think was part of his shtick. I was, was totally like, what the hell are we doing here? I was very thrown for a loop. So Marshall Henderson was one of the weirdest. Uh, I've, I've never asked a bad question, Steve. It's never happened. Never? Never. Really? Never um, the two, here's, the, here's what I'll say. I do this all the time and I make mistakes on it and... The uh, number one, never, ever, ever say talk about, which is why it's in the tweet. Never say talk about. I hate it. It's not a question. It's literally not a question. Don't use talk about. Don't answer the question that you're asking while you're asking the question to somebody. 
you don't need to give me a filibuster on how much you know about the subject. Most of the time, the best question is going to be short and a direct follow-up from what you heard from somebody. And that just that those are the two big pet peeves I have is answering the question while asking it and saying, talk about, just avoid those two, those two things altogether. So worst, uh, worst interview I ever had. Uh, I will preface this by saying one of the, one of the complete joys of working for a small publication where you, when you're not feeling like you're completely overworked and, and struggling to, <laughs> to put out a, to put out an issue at, at, at any particular time is uh, you get to do a lot of different things. And sometimes you get to cherry pick interviews and you get to go, Ooh, I'm taking that one because I'm the editor and that one's mine. And I did this um, with uh, an interview with Patton Oswalt. Patton was coming to town uh, as part of, uh, I think it was a comedy festival lineup and if you've never done these sort of interviews before, what happens is, is when a lot of times when somebody's on tour or on the road and they're wanting to, they talk to local media, you'll get 15 minutes. And it's, it's not always a great interview because that person, the person that you see, you know, performing or the person that you've heard in interviews, like, like a, like an hour long interview with, with, with somebody big on TV, those are different interviews than, Hey, I'm calling you at eight in the morning after I was doing two sets last night and right. I've got to hit the road this morning. I mean, it's just not, a, it's not a great setup. I mean, they're doing it because they have to, uh, and you know, I don't begrudge them that, that, that that's, that's, that's the way, that's the way it is. Those interviews can be really, really hard. Uh, I'm an enormous Patton Oswalt fan. Uh, I, I think I've, I think I have listened. To, I think I've gotten like all. I've listened to everything he's ever done. I've seen all of his specials. I think he's a brilliant comedian. And I was so energized going into this thing because I wanted to talk comedy with him. And I, at the first question I asked fell flat, and I was panicked. Uh-oh. And I was like, oh, shit. And I could see it going south. And it's one of those things where, like, you're asking a question that you think is a great question. This person has heard that question a yeah. hundred thousand times. In, and they've done it in interviews in markets all over the country. And, and that's what happened. And it was, it was supposed to be a 15-minute inter- interview. We went 10 minutes. And I cut it off. And I was like. Oh, Thanks man. for your time, man. I really appreciate it. Yep. And I immediately deleted the interview and canceled the feature and didn't do anything about it. And I would, if, if I had a transcript of it, I would burn it because it was, <laughs> it was that bad. And it wasn't, a, it wasn't him necessarily. It, you know, yeah, I didn't yeah. help it. I, I didn't ask a great question to start out with and it, was, and it went it south was, in a hurry. It was situational. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it was completely kind of, situational. Yeah. Uh, um, as a media member, how long did it take you to get comfortable sharing personal information, your idiosyncrasies? This is from Eric on Twitter. I, I would say I have a very weird line. Of, like, a, I, I think it is critically important for radio hosts and podcast hosts to make it personal, to make it relatable, to have life experiences that people can relate to and, and comment on and understand. But I also am not the guy who's writing like the, the, the 300 word you know, statement about my personal situation on Twitter. Like I have very, like I have a very clear line of demarcation. I'll basically tell you anything about myself with the exception of like the big things. And then there's, and then I become very private. So like there, you know, again, I people that know me and that have listened, like 
my mother-in-law passed away last week. That's not something I'm writing 300 words on Twitter about where, where some people pour everything they have into their, their, their media world. I like to do that with stuff that's relatable to people. Occasionally I'll bring out something serious, but I'm pretty, I have a pretty clear line of demarcation. There's, you know, stuff that happens with my wife and my family and my kids. That's, that's, that's silly. Sure. Let's do it. If it's stuff that's, you know, pretty serious and heavy, I'm not a guy who's kind of out there. Like a lot of people are like, I'm not going to write a long soliloquy about my uh, why I left 1025 the game or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, right. So uh, hopefully you're going to save that for a certain national media podcast. Yes, that'll be on a but, podcast. But anyway, uh, I, I I'm very similar. I, I think that I think it's incumbent, uh, particularly in a, in a in a personal medium like a podcast or something like that, to be to to show personality and to to give your personality to it. Um, I think in a lot of feature writing in particular, it's very important to develop a voice uh, and to, to share uh, parts of yourself with uh, readers because that, that yeah. helps them identify with you. It gives, it gives them credibility. I mean, it gives you credibility uh, and, and those, it just makes for better. It makes for better uh, yeah. uh, media altogether. So I, I, I would say, it, I, I would say you're, I would say your Twitter personality is a, you, you go a little harder into sort of some of the news and politics and things you believe even more so than I do. I I'm probably too tentative around that stuff because I know I've got a huge football audience. <laughs> I, but, so. but that's, I think the, the thing that I don't do is, is I have tried to learn not to argue for the sake of arguing. Yes. Uh, which I think is really easy around politics right now. Like you cannot get involved in every argument. Uh, and and I try even even on pe like stuff that like people are reacting to something that I have said, I I, I try not to litigate it forever. Right, I try right. not to, to to have like fifty responses to somebody just because they don't just they don't agree with me. Also, At some point, just, we don't just, agree, and that's fine, and we yeah. can move on. Just just end with like, have a great day, dude. I hope your life is wonderful. Like that, yeah. <laughs> it's not that problem. All right, let's do some rapid fire here. We'll go back and forth. Uh, I know we're running long, so we got to move fast here. But let's let's do some rapid fire here. I'll start. I'm going to ask you a question. Then you can ask me a question and we'll try to do this as fast as possible. All right. Sound good. Yep. Um, Steve Cavendish, one subject you can only write and cover and talk about and tweet about one subject for the rest of your life. Is it sports or is it food? Food. <laughs> that was easy. <laughs> uh, it was, it was very easy. I would much rather, I would, I, I think there's, I think there's more interesting issues in food. Um, not that I don't like talking about sports. I love talking about sports, but uh, uh, if it's only one, it's food. Okay, good. Uh, uh, Braden, do you wish you had more hair? Yes. <laughs> Fuck you. Um, do you wish you, do you, do you wish you could fit into my pants, Steve? <laughs> no, <laughs> I don't want, I don't want anything to do with your pants. <laughs> that's, that's valid. Um, all right. You are in charge. <laughs> this is a trickier one. You are now instantly in charge of the Tennessean sports department. But you have to work for Gannett under their current rules and restrictions and regulations and budgetary constraints and everything else. What do you do? Cry a lot. <laughs> that is an unwinnable war. It, it is. It, it is. You know, pick your pick your your lost cause general. That's that that that's what that is. They they do not have the staff to cover things in a way that that they used to. They are constantly punished by a readership that remembers them for a time that they did uh, and they are outgunned on every on every flank 
in every major sport that they're trying to cover. So you have no, you have no ideas on how to fix it then. (laughs) I mean, I, I, if I were, it, it is, it is a, they're in a death spiral yeah no i know <laughs> and 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 they and they're not given the fact that you have to work for Gannett, i mean they're they're going to be smaller i, I what i tell people is that is that the, and this is too long here if you like the tennessean it is as good today as it will ever be yeah if you yeah, hate the tennessean it is as good today as it will ever be <laughs> because right, it's going to be smaller in the future all right, go ahead all right uh do you miss terrestrial radio? I, I know, uh, th- I know that I know that you do ESPN stuff and whatever else, but like day to day terrestrial radio, do you miss it? I do not miss the daily grind of doing a four hour show every day. No, not at all. In fact, that's I, I love the thing I miss about terrestrial radio is interacting with people in live real time situations, and I get just enough of that. Like next week, I'll be hosting Fine Bomb every day. I'll get plenty of that for to hold, <laughs> yeah, to hold me over to hold me over for a couple of months. I, that's the part I miss is actually talking to other people who love the subjects that we're talking about. I do miss that. I think there's also a skill involved in being able to react in real time and from a preparation standpoint and a talent standpoint that 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 I that I just miss. But I get to I get to exercise those muscles on ESPN Radio just the right amount. I do not miss. Three to four hours of content every day. That's awful. That sounds awful. <laughs> About the same <laughs> subjects? Oh, my God. Give me a break. Um, oh, my turn? Your turn. Uh, you are now... I'm going to move you to one country in the entire world. Pick an entity. Al Jazeera, New York Times, BBC, whatever. You get to be the correspondent for that country in the world, reporting back out to the world on what's happening in that country. What country are you going to? Uh... I'm going to France. Interesting. France is France has well, it has great food, uh, and and um, and it has it has it has beauty and it has all, all sorts of things that are that are really interesting to me uh, from like a travel perspective. But right now, French politics are fascinating in that some of the some of the kind of kind of you know plate tectonics that are happening in American politics are also happening in French politics. Um, I'm fascinated at the rise of Le Pen and sort of these far right people. I was having a conversation with somebody who was was going to retire and move to France. And then they said, nope. And they decided to move to Portugal instead because because they they said, I do not want to live in a country where, you know, the, the open open rise of this kind of racist right is. Yeah, they got they got beat. They got beat back pretty hard at the polls. Right, they did, but it's no. still there, and it's going to be there for it, it's going to be there for a long time. I, I find that I find that absolutely fascinating. Okay, I, I also find kind of like their relative place in Europe, uh, where they're the sort of European leader nation, but they've always had a weird relationship with the EU and with the yeah, UK okay. and so forth. It, it's just there's always something interesting that's happening it, there. It, it is fascinating to me that Macron could win such a landslide election victory over a far right opponent as the as the left, but everyone doesn't like him. Right, right. Like, and that he had absolutely no coattails. Like his party had absolutely no coattails in these kind of local elections because, you know, it's all about him and that one position, not necessarily about the party. Okay, what you got? Um, give me one tangible thing that you have learned from launching your own podcast network here. Wow. Um, I it's. That's really hard because there's like a million things I've learned about video content and meeting people where they are and 
I, I still, the, the most important thing is that I believe in like people and authenticity and communal experiences. And my hunch, my guess was that people are looking for that. And that my bet was that people are looking for that. I did not know if that was true, but I think I've learned that it is that there is a pushback on, on enragement content, empty calories, and people are, if you are a fan of a particular team, there's a place for all that other stuff, but you are still not served really healthy nutritional content routinely enough about the things you love. I, that was a gamble, I think. And I think I've learned that it's what people it's there. There is enough people out there that love that and want that still. And that is sort of the whole point of trying this weird experiment, I guess. Um, and, and frankly that I don't like doing four hours of, of content a day. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Final questions. Go. Uh, all right. Favorite city you've lived in and worked in outside of Nashville. You've lived in every, every one of them. Chicago. It's not even close. I, yeah. uh, and I say that I love DC. It's, it's a great place, but yeah. my wife and I talk about this all the time. I miss Chicago. Chicago in the summertime is like the greatest city in the world. Okay. It's amazing. Uh, most terrified you'd ever been about to knock on a door. You've covered the, the Christmas bombing. You've covered the, the tornadoes in Kentucky. What was the most nervous, most terrifying, most anxiety riddled door knock or presentation you're, you have ever had in your career working on a story? Uh, when I met the when I met the ex girlfriend of the Christmas bomber, um, number one your whole I, career. Uh, yeah, because I I didn't know if I would like how I was going to have a conversation with that person. Like I, like you yeah. have, but the, your job is to learn a lot of information about a person, and uh, you know, I, it took me hours of talking with yeah. this person in order to be able to in order to be able to kind of get that interview to where we learn stuff. Um, all right. Last question. You ready? Okay. If you had to go back, if you had to go back and choose media or something else as a, as an early twenties, as an early twenties person, whether go, go to, go to school, make money, <laughs> assuming- uh, do, do, do something else. Do you think you'd do this again? Oh man. Um, that is a great question. So architect and lawyer were the other two options. I'd be, a, feel like I'd be a pretty good litigator just arguing all the time. Um, <laughs> but architecture is what I grew up wanting to do. And architecture would, if you told me I was qualified <laughs> and I had the, reg- the, the requisite schooling to become Math. an architect, I would, I would, I would go in. That would be my, that would have been my path. Um, but I don't know, man, if you would have told, if you would have told 23 year old me that accepted a $20,000 a year job in Maryland farms, Brentwood, Tennessee at rivals.com without any knowledge of how little bills you'd be able to pay with that salary, um, that one day I'd be working on for ESPN. I don't, and owning your own company. I don't know, man. It's, it, I can't, I can't, I can't argue with, with how I got here, why I got here. It's given me my wife and beautiful children. I don't, I, it's hard to answer that question, man. It's hard. Do I wish I had a regular job sometimes all the time? Yes. <laughs> Mega millions on Tuesday. Am I, I, I going to, am I, am I going <laughs> to teach my daughters that they only need to learn two things, Mandarin and HTML code? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Forget all about the liberal arts. Go do Dad, some I want to other... go to journalism school. Go, no, go do... fuck that. Go do some other, no. shit. go do some other shit with your life. Uh, that's going to be, you know, profitable. <laughs> 
Um, all right. Um, this one's a little bit more in, in depth here, but do you have one philosophy or lesson or practice that you think still runs through all the different iterations of media, whether it was radio in the 30s, TV in the 60s, newspaper in the 80s and 90s, through the technology revolution of social media, um, all the different generations and practices and habits that we, we've evolved through. Do you think there is one lesson inside of media that runs as a thread through every bit of that for the last hundred years? Yeah, and it's truth. Uh, and that's that's a corny answer. Uh, but at the same time, I think it's I think it's I think it's true. The best media is always built around truth and and that takes a lot of different forms. You know, like it, it can be in the form of authenticity, it can be in the form of fact gathering, it can be in the form of you know, all these sorts of things. But but media that is built around truth fundamentally has has proved to be the most enduring and to be the most uh, the, to be the most valuable. I, I just, I, I think that's, I think that was true in the thirties and, and, and I think that's true today. Thank you guys for hanging out with us, Steve. Where can people find you? They can find me on Twitter at scavendish or on Instagram at scavendish. If you like pictures of like, you know, like dogs and tomato plants, Braden, where can people find you? At Jasper's on West end because the parking is free. The food is amazing. It's the next evolution of the sports bar. And we never, ever trap the puck go to jaspers everybody my name is braden gall he's steve cavendish thanks for hanging out with us we got lots of guests coming over the course of the next couple of weeks but i enjoyed hanging out with you guys and all your mailbag questions we appreciate you guys for steve i'm braden thank you for listening this has been lamestream sports on the 440 sports network